right. You good? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I'm excited for this to begin, man. The most interesting man in Baltimore, you know. I, I'm excited. <laughs> what you uh what you sipping? Uh S one. <laughs> is that a, I, learned from the, I learned from the man, I learned from you. <laughs> is that is that reposado or is that uh a name? No, it's actually the reposado, the brown one. It's the reposado, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm trying to step it up. I'm trying to be grown in my throat. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Um normally normally I, I save it to the end. Like I um I always uh go back over the podcast, get a feeling for who I'm on the phone with. And then uh, I pl- I play a track in the beginning, mm-hmm. man. I was going through my mind, and you, you like, I, I I had I had to go reach back for this because this this just says Derek Rohn to me. I can see and tell me if this is too loud because I usually don't do this. I usually save it oh, for Pro Tools. Wait, wait, what you got, man? Wait, I'm nervous. <laughs> Yo, this just said Derek Rohn to me. Like I feel like you get up in the morning, walk into the store. You know, and, and, so and, and this is what I hear in my head. Like, I'm just too cool. I am. Full of smoke. Yeah. I don't know if you. I don't know if you ever heard this before. No, I did, but you know, tell me why this is something that. This is this is this is my this is my Derek vibe right here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is it too loud? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is. Mm. Oh, it's, like, <laughs> it's right. It's right. Um. Anyway, all, all, with the on the call with me is uh, Jared Rohn. Uh, this is a guy that I've worked with for eight years now. I mean, he didn't know he didn't know of me, but I knew of him right away. As soon as I got to the uh, that next Degarski Urban store. Um, Man, right away you hit me as somebody that's uh, not only mysterious, but you know I saw your face on a billboard, and you still, you know, in the middle of Baltimore, and you still uh, work for the Cigars Corporation. So you're you're somebody that I not only admire, but I think has uh, talents that haven't haven't even been tapped yet. So you know I'm gonna get to like all that history, but I kind of want you to give your own history, like. I don't know. I don't know when you started working for Degas. I don't know what you did before that. Um, I I just kind of want you to introduce yourself. Uh, If you had to give your like five minute speech, what would that sound like? (laughs) I put you on the spot, right? But now, basically, um, uh, before I was growing up, I was doing some music. Like, I was before, like, old, uh, uh, the only time I ended up working at was PM. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, so that, um, that was really, like, one of the main reasons I started working out something. Because before that, um, I mostly just did music all the time. Like, me and my homeboys, we would just record, um, and just... My whole idea, my life, I thought I was gonna get a record deal. Okay, like I, I, don't I don't laugh no at plan. that. Yeah, I had no plan A, B, or C. Okay. It was even gonna be that. It was just gonna be something in the art field. Um, then I started working at A Uh There, like, I didn't think I was gonna stay that long. But then, how how old are you when you start A Girls? How old are you? It's crazy because when I was like 16, 17, I kept applying. They never hired me, but they hired like all my homeboys. Okay. And, um, when I turned 19, uh, I started working at, as a uh, seasonal team member doing Christmas. Okay. And, um, after that, I just kept moving up. And then I, even after like, I just a no call, no show. <laughs> and I'm still there 10 years old. <laughs> But um, I think being there though, it kind of brought me out of my shell because I used to be like real reserved. I'm still a reserved person, but I used to be really reserved uh, back then. Okay. And, um, but I feel like it made me grow as a person. And then it also made me tap into like other things because then I had money to do what I wanted to do and then try to like experiment and then get into more things because art is expensive no matter how people think of it. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. All right. 
right. Um, I want I want to move to. Uh, so, I guess when I when I knew of you in the store, I I didn't even know you by talking to you. I knew of you because I stumbled on an Instagram page for you. You know, and we're talking about 2013. Mm. Mm. I'm talking about the hot boy days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and at that time, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, for, for me, I was just thinking, you know, this guy is like the womanizer of, of Jay Garth. Like he just goes, he's, he's silent, and you know, he's got like women in his pocket, you know. Um, and and that's just me being ignorant, uh, looking at social media, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I didn't. Uh, I didn't understand anything you were posting. It just, you know, it was just a lot of pictures of you, a whole lot of pictures of you. And I don't, I don't know if you care to elaborate on that or on that time period. Like, what was your mindset? What were you going through at that time, uh, 2013? Um, 2013, you, that was a weird time for me because um, that was like a time when I was just getting comfortable with myself. And then I'm gonna just tap into like even like uh, getting comfortable basically like as a man and then in my sexuality as well. Cause it was actually 2013. Was the you you met me in 2013? Well, I was I was at the store in 2012, uh, and I didn't know uh, of you. I, I knew you worked there, right? But yeah. then I stumbled on that Instagram in 2013. When, when yeah, I was that was a it was a time when I was really like figuring myself out. Um, and yeah, it was that's literally when things started getting crazy for me. Like I uh, figured out like. Um, I started trying new things with art, uh, started dating. Cause before then I never, re- I never dated before at that time, like in 2013, I was 23. So it was like, I was just hopping into dating. I'm just figuring myself out. I'm moving out of my mom's house. I'm just doing like a whole lot in one span of the year. And then also getting in trouble. It was just, it was wild. <laughs> okay. All right. You said you were figuring out your, your sexuality. Yeah. So what 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 did that mean? What's that mean? I mean, because it was like I always I always knew what I liked, but um I also didn't wanna I was in a phase where I didn't wanna like disappoint my family. Um more my mom than anybody, because I know how she felt about me like being like homosexual at the time. But she didn't even know, like nobody knew. And then it was just the yeah, I just was like, Man, I'm not gonna grow if I don't say anything. So like coming out to her, it was probably the easiest. It was easier than I thought it would be. And then um, after that, I really didn't care who knew. Like, it was just what it was at that point. Because as long as my mom didn't care, she still loved me. I didn't care who. And, and I, and I want to, because people uh, don't have perspective here. Like, they don't know. They don't have context. I, I know that if you chose to keep it silent, if you didn't speak up, nobody mm-hmm. would ever know. Nobody mm-hmm. would guess. Nobody would see anything. Like, uh for all intents and purposes, if you wanted to keep that secret, you know, or, or keep it to yourself, it would be kept and nobody would think twice about it. So the decision that you made to uh, just come out and you, like you said, you don't care who knows, um, I think yeah. it's big. And then going forward, uh, I don't know where in the timeline we're getting to uh, how, how far we have to go to Under Armour. I don't know if I'm fast forwarding your progress, but I wanted you to talk about that that Under Armour uh, campaign that you did as well. Oh yeah, so uh, with Under Armour, um, so of course, like I run a lot, and uh, one of my friends, he's a well-known photographer by uh, the name of Devin Allen. He's um, one of their main photographers. Hmm. So he, um, one day we were just sitting in the bar, we were talking, and he's like, "Hey, I pitched you." Um, your Instagram profile to um, some people over in Under Armour uh, for the for Pride. Um, would you like to work with them? And I'm mm. like, eh, whatever. And I'm like, he probably bluffing. And then I check my email, and they're like, hey, we checked out your email. I mean, your Instagram. Um, we really think you would fit the campaign. Um, do could you work these days right here? And I'm like, yeah. So they sent me like the call sheet and everything. But then it came with drama as well, because at that point, when um, like right before we even started the shoot, they were saying that I, they didn't think I was gay. <laughs> 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 so they thought basically I was faking just to get, uh, just to basically like get like 
to get on the um, campaign. And wow. it was cool, like this whole thing. So, but it was, I felt like that was a good experience. Um, the comments were wild though, underneath the pictures. Like we still got some ways to go. Okay. Okay. So you, there was a lot of hate there or will, will yeah, it was specific? like, um, a lot of people like after, cause I think this was like the first, well, the second year, I think that Unarm actually did, a, um, did, uh, a campaign for pride like mm-hmm. the first one wasn't really like too public like they did it but it was like kind of like reserved this one was like it was me um another friend of mine and then two women and um underneath the comments they were saying like people were saying they want to stop supporting under armor they can't believe their under armor was even pushing something like this so because t- is this 2017 is this 2018 that's 2019. It's 2019. Yeah, 2019. It was 2019's campaign. Ooh. We were supposed to do this year. I think I was supposed to do this year as well, mm-hmm. but COVID and everything going on, um, that put a halt. Okay. All right. I, so in that, in that uh, 2019 space, I do mm-hmm. remember you saying something about a bus. You were supposed to go on like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. You missed it. Yeah, because I had to close that weekend at work and I couldn't get off because nobody took my shit. Wait, wait. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it was so, New York. So, this was, uh, it was a big pride in New York. It was, uh, I think it was 50 years. I'm probably saying the wrong thing, but it was like 50 years Stonewall, I think it was. And um, they were having world pride in New York and we were on like the back of buses and like I had to get pictures sent to me for other people that were in the campaign and that was like the most hurt feeling ever I, I have this I have a story that I told on uh, another podcast mm-hmm. where uh, I was watching Shark Tank and this lawyer uh, uh, he was a, he's been a lawyer for a long time he was a lawyer for 20 years but when he came out of college um, he got hit up by this CEO at, mm-hmm. of this small company he got hit up uh, because his um, his legal drafts were like renowned, like so, this guy heard of him, reached out to him, like, "Hey, I need you to draw me up this legal draft for for my business. You know, I really need this. Um, I don't have a lot of capital right now. I don't have any money. You know, so it would it would help me if you'll just take uh, stock in my company. If you'll take you know some equity from my company, I'll give you twenty percent. You know." Um, and at the time, the guy, you know, he's just, you know, five, six years out of college. His wife is about to have their first baby. He's like, nah, I need my $3,000 retainer. I need that money more. So he took that $3,000 over that because he couldn't pay him all at once. He took it, you know, three three month inter- intervals or whatever he could pay. So mm-hmm. but he got that $3,000. Now, fast forward to today, that CEO was the guy that, Owns Under Armour, mm. and, the, and that twenty percent would have been worth two hundred and fifty million dollars. Damn. So, so when you tell when you tell me about the the bus and the tour of Under Armour, and you were gonna have like I, I guess they were gonna have that the picture that was that I saw the billboard I guess was gonna be on the bus or whatever. I don't I don't yeah. know how it was gonna go, but it, when you tell me those things are happening in your life. And you couldn't go because you're closing a sneaker store. It, uh, yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> I, you know, like I sit back sometimes and I think about it. I think um, I do hinder myself a lot because I'm always, I feel like with Tigger, it's like, a, I keep saying this company name, but I feel like where we work at, like it's, um, it's like a comfort zone in a type of way. And it's like um, to step out is to risk. But I did have like one of my friends, because a lot of my friends are artists. And, um, one of them told me, was like, you would make more money quicker doing what you love than uh, sticking to what you're used to. And like, I, I think about it every day when I go to work, I'm like, you would, I probably would make more money doing mm-hmm. what I actually enjoy it than running around here stressing for another man. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the thing is, in, in, in our world right now, where you're in, you don't fail. You know, you don't feel that failure. Yeah. Um, and and when you go out on your own, it's all you. You know, uh, I I would count that Under Armour 
missing missing that, I would count that as a failure and a life lesson. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I I just I watch how uh, people navigate life because everybody's different, right? But everybody treats you differently, so you run into people by accident because mm-hmm. you're because of who you are. I've watched you change people's musical tastes online, you know, and which is exciting for me. Like you could post something that's different, you know, that that's not on the radar of the mainstream. I don't I don't know if you get that engagement, but I see, you know, in in your comments and you know, I yes, I do stalk you on social media <laughs> as I know a lot of uh a lot of Baltimoreans do. Um but I see that people's music taste changes as you introduce them to new music. I, I want to talk about your musical taste real quick. Like, you know, uh, who, who right now would you say is, is hot in your mind? Like artists that we may have not heard before. I mean, I know you post them, but I, I kind of want you to be vocal about it. <clears throat> so I'm actually um, about to start a, uh... I've been thinking about starting like a little like a podcast or something about like new music. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, some I'm listening to this group that randomly popped up. Uh, they're called Salt. Um, I'm sure nobody knows they are. They dropped two two albums in like a four month span, probably less than that. And it's like real. It's just like real bass heavy. Um, Kind of reminds you of like some 70s type vocals. Like I like a lot of like soulful type indie music. I don't really care for too much mainstream. I, I, I get that. And you know, look, you know, looking at your stories and how you put those together, um, I get that you don't uh, vibe with the mainstream as much as you uh, discover discover new artists. Um, yeah. Yeah. And 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 everybody agrees with you. They agree with your musical taste. It's so um, weird because I feel like nobody does. I'm always like, yeah, people are like this, this dude, weird shit. What is he listening to? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's part of the intrigue and the mystery of of the bearded gentleman. Um, I, you know, I, I want to talk about like uh, seeing you in. Tell me how that that. And I want you to send me these pictures, by the way, too. I, I need like I want to uh, advertise the podcast, so I'm I need those. Uh, those that that flower you were in like a halo of flowers or whatever who oh, shot who did you, that that was, that was by accident that whole photo shoot was by so the photo shoot was on purpose but the crown and the jumper and everything was on accident this was like I woke up I mind you I already paid the photographer and everything I'm like shit I don't have no idea what I'm about to do nothing who, who is the photographer in this instance uh, it was um, Randolph Garrett okay like I'm sitting there and I'm like uh, the morning I woke up I'm like yo I don't have no outfit I don't have no concept or nothing so I'm just nervous and then um, at the time I was talking to somebody that lived in New York um my ex and he was like just go in and just do you I'm like alright whatever so I go to the mall I buy a jumper I buy, I buy a white v-neck and then I'm just walking around I'm like I don't want to take my picture with like my head like a bald head so like <laughs> I ended up going into like Forever 21 and I found this flower crown it's like you know I'm just going to buy the flower crown and then um we went into the studio and then we took all these pictures and then I bought the crown out and I was like, you think it's gonna look good? He's like, I think that might be different. It might be hard, let's let's just do it. And once we did it, like we looked at the pictures and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do it. And like when I posted it, it was like, Instagram oh my goodness. <laughs> Hell yeah, hell yeah. And it, and it seems like Instagram is always going crazy. So, so I'm asking what most people are thinking, like, what are you gonna do with that kind of attention? Like, where do you want to go? Like you said, the podcast about um, uh, upcoming artists. Like, I feel you on that. But then, every lane you pick, you're also good at. So, if I'm talking about style, uh, like you said, you had no idea. You go and pick a jumper out. You pick, you know, the he- the uh, little flower halo out, and mm. it all works, right? And then when I think about you at work. Uh, it's, it all works. Everything you do works. Um, and then also, 
you are a singer yourself. Yeah, so, I'm that so, could work. <laughs> I'm actually working on some stuff now with music, but I've been keeping it on the racks because I just wanted to be, I wanted to be authentic and just be me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a friend who you know that I'm trying to get on it, but this guy got to get serious. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and, um, a lot of people always try to tell me like to do like more um, modeling and stuff, but I feel like I just overthink a lot of stuff. So this, um, like this year, um, well this summer, I have like a plan in mind to okay. get, get my page more popping and be more engaged with my audience. And, and then there were, uh, I, and, and I forget the year, but I'm, I'm, if I look at your page, it'll it'll tell me the the details. At, at one point, you were your own photographer, like you were, yeah, you were, yeah. you were photographing Baltimore, like I had never seen it before. And yeah. I think I think I asked you at the time because I always used to tease you when you can't work. I'm like, hey man, you could just get an apartment across the street in Hainer, and you know you'd be right across the street. And you said, Joe, I would die. <laughs> I so would. I, so I want you to talk about how you feel about Baltimore and, you know, talk about that photographer because I haven't seen those pictures in a while. So, so where did that go? Um, I feel like a, a lot of people, like, they associate Baltimore with uh, just being, like, tore down. They All they think about is the crime. Um, just, it's a lot of negative stuff that you hear about Baltimore. But then when you're actually, like, from here and you hang in the city and then you meet these people like Baltimore is some of the most unique people I've met. Like I remember, I used to be the same person. Be like, man, I'm not hanging to see these people. This, these people that. And then it's like when you really hang around, like in the art scene, and then um, see like the things they're doing. Like, there's so many amazing artists that come from this, like this actual city. And then, um, but they take their talents, and then they some a lot of them they leave here because it's just like nobody. Like the art scene is just starting to get like really strong here, so it's like you might have an artist that you see on Vogue, and this is factual. You'll see artists that have like shot like Beyonce and all types of stuff, and then they'll come here and hang out in one of the local bars with a bunch of us, like regular artists out here, and then yeah. go back with all your ideas and start a whole new thing. So it's like. People don't realize like this city is really a gem. Mm-hmm. It's just we just gotta work ourselves out of like this hole. And it's it's a lot. I ain't gonna lie. Um so when I was taking like the pictures and everything, yeah, because I find beauty in like the hood, like the houses, like because whenever I look at like a abandoned house or something, I always think about the past. Like this probably was somebody's grandma's house. We don't know how many legacies this neighborhood had like a lot of these neighborhoods they started out white then they turned black and then to abandonment so like what's the story of this neighborhood what's the story of this building if i put a black man in front of this building and i shoot him in a beautiful way would how will people interpret this picture like that's how i look at things so that's basically one of my projects are going to be this summer so I, I thought that was one of your projects before because there was a there was a model that you were shooting heavy like at the time. Yeah, my that's my uh my homeboy, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, who who is he? Uh James. James. He's actually a stylist in uh, LA. Okay. All right. Yeah, I you know, a lot of a lot of those f- photographs uh embody you in a sense. It, it, it's a it's a word you used uh, when you talked about your your music and and why it's taking so long, like authentic mm-hmm. is, is what you want to be, and I feel like you come across that way, and that's why you get you know people to fuck with you on accident, <laughs> you know, in mm-hmm. in a sense because even when I was talking about this, you know, when I'm when I'm when I'm changing my life and I'm going to the coffee G stuff, you know, mm-hmm. you accidentally show me the same uh, coffee. Uh, coffee shop owner that you just happen to know you know <laughs> like you tie me in to her and I, it, like how, how many people do you know how many people do you Yo, do you find on a day-to-day just be that's, that's the amazing thing it's like when i feel like you gotta have good energy and just be around people that uh they see more in you and then want want to actually see you do more and it's like um when i showed you her i basically met her at an artist talk through my homeboy. So it's like, 
when I tell you the art scene is small and like all the creators basically hang out together, it's like Baltimore is like this little tight, it's like a little clique of people that all hang together and it's like you got the outside. So it's like networking within your own people. And that's what I feel like uh, your community should be based on though. Like we should all be just trying to see each other grow and progress and I feel like a lot of times people just don't want to see that happen because they don't want to see you leave because they have this fear that you might leave them. And that's not like, oh. how, that's not how I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Like, even when I think of you, like, I feel like you're, you're one of the people, like, you always tell people, like, the potential that they have. But you can tell people the potential that they have a million times, but if they can't see it in themselves and want to move forward. And it's just like hitting deaf ears. And it's crazy because all the stuff that grandma and moms used to say, you get when you start to get older. And I don't know if I'm getting old, <laughs> but it's all. Hey, hey tell, tell, tell the people how old you are. Tell, tell them I how old you are. I just turned 30, man. 30. Baby. <laughs> Baby. You got. You know, I feel like I'm a million. <laughs> nah, nah. You got so much more to go. And, you know, in this next next decade, if I if I have something to say about it, you know, you're going to realize it. And I want to know a hypothetical because you're going to, you're going to do something brilliant and you're going to uh, do something amazing. And it's going to happen. Like all of your connections happen, you know, mm. just, just because you're you. So I want to know, are you going to stay in Baltimore? Like, do you, do you want to stay in Baltimore? Is that, is that your hope to, to, to stay there, even though you have success? Like, would that uh, not necessarily. I mean, mm. I, <laughs> I will always like it will always be like home. Uh, maybe <laughs> I'm trying to think because like it's it's like a, a kind of like a love hate because at one point it's like I'm like yeah I really do need to go but I I never would I never would like say I'm never coming back home. Okay, right. like, so you um, always come back. I do feel like I do need uh probably like a year or two, maybe max five years from here, just so I can like creatively grow. Because I feel like just being here in the city, I'm probably not reaching my full potential. But um, it, this will definitely always be home. But New York will probably be my, it'd be New York. And then I have this weird fascination with like the Midwest. So it would be New York and probably somewhere like, Nebraska or something. <laughs> Out with the corn huskers and shit. Yeah, I feel like because it's it's just something about open. It's just something about like just open field and just being able to, like there's no like concept of like city. Mm-hmm. City life, I feel like you always had to be on, and then it's like if you go somewhere where it's just like you, like a mountain, the woods, the just the open earth, something you'll just be chilling. You're good. And that's when your creative juice is probably really like flow. And that's what I need. You need some creative juice. Okay. All right. I, I can see that. I I just, you know, I I preface that with the fact that I've known you for a, a long time now, but in, in the last, I'll say two years, uh, I've, I've grown closer to you. So I know intimately about, you know, you and your situation and, you know, how many opportunities you have and just, you know, the overall base that you are. It's weird because I never like thought that like me and you. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. (laughs) But it's like, you see me basically from like, yo, if you see me in 23, you know how wild I used to be to like. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I feel like the difference and like, it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. but but it's not it's not crazy to think that that unique person mm. can 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 be a whole movement you know what i'm saying like what what keeps you from being the movement you know what i'm saying that baltimore needs because uh, I, feel, I i don't i don't see anything i don't see anything in your way except for you it's crazy cuz you you say that and i've had like other friends say the same thing i think it's it's me more yeah. than anybody yeah you, yeah. You're the only you're the only bartender I know that can do it like you do it. You know, you 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 uh you wanted to learn bartending. You did that, uh, I, you, and 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 you talk about that. Like, what made you even go there? 
Because so doing it was because uh I wanted because I'm always at the bar anyway. Like it was like a hangout, so it was like um might as well just make money while I'm doing it. But then the conversations, uh just trying to get to like know people and stuff. And then um when you said you said something else and I had it in my head till the bartender thing came up. Oh yeah, I no, I just wanted to know how how it even happens because you you know the owner, you know. Yeah, so I'm like I'm cool with the owner and everything. Um, and it was just like to basically like just try to like get out there more. Uh, kind of is make extra money, but also like get to know people. Uh, but when you put that on your Instagram and they all show up to see and it just was you, and I couldn't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And that's what I'm talking about. You, you, but you, what you, if you post what you do, people are going to show up for you. But see, my thing is also like, I, I hate looking like I'm like being cocky, man. Like, <laughs> cause I feel like this is what people think. They like, oh, he's just this guy to think he's, and it's like, no, like I'm like the most humble guy you will meet. And I'm nine times out of 10, I'm chilling. Okay. All right. Whatever. So I think that's another reason why I hold myself back, just because of that. But right. I said, yeah, I'm not doing it this summer, though. It won't be and, out of <laughs> and I haven't been doing it since I hit 35. So so for the people listening, I am 39. Uh, as of, what, five days ago, I'm 39 years old. As of Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, a good age, though, man. That's, but, that's a good age. But, but, but you know, you talk to 34-year-old, and he cared so much about what people thought and, you know, oh, man. Yo, it's, draining. It's, it's, draining. it's so draining, right? Who gives a shit? Trying to, like, yo, trying to, like, cap yourself for other people is the hardest thing ever. First of all, you are a cap. <laughs> I really You am. need to realize that. <laughs> you need to be capping these motherfuckers out here. <laughs> you need to be doing that and not giving a shit. That's the as, thing. As soon as you don't give a shit, it's the best feeling. I think that's, that's what, what. Go ahead. No, I think that's what I need to uh, start doing. Though, like, um, that's my plans, man. Every everybody <laughs> thinks you don't give a shit already. Like, oh, because I don't know about that. No. <laughs> In inside that building, they no. know you don't give a shit. That's why they're Listen, we're going to say less on that one. Yeah. But I know what you're talking about. And I feel like if you carry that 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 moniker, that that energy uh to the outside world, you're going to mm-hmm. win. Like you're going to win so big that it's uh going to put Baltimore on the map. And I feel like you want to put Baltimore on the map. I really do though. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, yeah, more than, you know, Drew Hill, <laughs> more than, you know, any anybody in that uh, it's bothered. I feel like a lot of people like they get attention and it becomes a type of like mediocre thing where it's like if I'm if I'm known in my city then I'm good and it's like no it's like you gotta be it's always bigger it's always better and it's like you gotta change perceptions and especially with me like because even if I do strike anything like regardless of the fact they'll dig up anything they want they'll dig up from the sexuality to whatever and it's just like What's, what would the milestones be to overcome all this? So, like, when I think about things, I think way too deep, I think, sometimes. And that's that can be a good and a bad thing. But Yeah, but, but even still, like, you said the sexuality thing. You weren't even gay enough for... You yo, know. you know how many people tell me... Like they be like, oh, they like, yo, I, I never would have knew, yo. Like you cool as you cool as shit, and it's like, I, I don't care if you then if you knew or not. And it has nothing to do with me. Like people right. just treat you and act the way they act according to the person you are. Like mm-hmm. you can't either, you can't let people feed their fears into you, and that's what a lot of people do. Like they will try you. And I think all that comes from a sense of insecurity for everybody else. If you're mm-hmm. insecure, you're going to give me your insecurities yeah. all the time. So, so when you said that uh, Under Armour didn't think you were gay, is that them saying you're not gay enough? So 
What is what is that? I hope mean? I don't even get in trouble for talking about this. Oh, but yeah. Basically, uh, what my homeboy told me was like he said he had got pulled into a meeting about it because he said um, somebody must have brought it up to whoever, like HR or something. He was like, um, he's like, yeah, I had to go to a whole meeting because they were trying to say, um, somebody tried to say that you weren't gay enough. And then when I was talking to him, I was like, yo, I know, he was like, yo, I know this nigga. Like, I hang with him every day. I'm telling you, <laughs> this man is gay. Like, what are you saying? He was like, what does gay look like? And they were just like, I, I mean, he's just a little... Mm, he's a little hard. And then he was like, but he was like, yo, I hang around a lot of gay people. Like they don't, everybody don't look the same. So it's like, you either gotta be like real flamboyant. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like how they think of it. It's like, if you're not flamboyant or you're not calling everybody sis or girl or whatever, <laughs> it's like, they they don't see it. But it's like, you got so many guys that just, and especially when like for black men, I feel like it's harder, especially being like- right. a, Black gay man because they to make people comfortable you have to be not in I'm not generalizing nothing but most of the time when they think about black gay men they think about somebody that's like real flamboyant or something like that and like that's not how all of us are like we're all different people we're just like straight people I mean I don't think all straight men act alike you got straight men that act gay men they don't. <laughs> It is what it is, but I feel like we don't get like as black men we don't get the same uh the same leeways that white men get when they do whatever they do. The name is so we so when you say that I immediately think of people that are hiding that, right? And that's and that goes back to the 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 bravery that I think was or not bravery, but it's 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 just the person that you are. Um, do you do you know who I who I mean by? Have you heard of Andrew Gilliam? No. Gilliam. Andrew Gilliam. Andrew Gilliam was. Uh, I mean, he was ba- basically uh, the next Obama. He was the he was a he was a Tallahassee mayor in in Florida, and what happened was he he lost. You know, he he lost, and. He was found in March. He and he has. Oh, I'm sorry. He's married with uh, three. I think three kids, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm doing this from memory. So if I'm wrong on on some issues, then you know, by all means, people check me. But he has three kids. He's married, but he was found in a hotel room in March with a male prostitute and uh, some other guy. But they were having an orgy, and they, you know. They um well who snitch? <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how they know. That sounds like a setup to me. Yeah, I don't know how anybody knew, but they were called to the you know, police were called to the hotel room. They took a whole bunch of pictures, they ruined his life, you know. So and he's a black man, you know. And and this is the crazy thing to me, like um, so when even when like hippo uh, was open. It's it's been gone for years now. And when, when like when I first came out, we would go there. There's so many politics, and I went. I remember one time I went there, and I'll never forget this day. I'm standing in line. <clears throat> I never go there during the day or this one day because black people usually went there on Thursday nights. So we went there. It was a I don't know what day it was, but it was early. And um, as we're walking in they stopped these uh, people. They were like, hey, she doesn't have ID. She can't come in. And the guy was like, do you know who she is? And he was like, no, and I don't care. It's like, she's mm. the second of such and such. And he was like, okay, she don't have ID. She can't get in. And I'm like, yo, you have these people coming in here who are probably like saying no to these laws and everything. And these are the same people that basically pay for uh, whoever they pay for to do whatever they need to do, but they try to keep it on the low. And it's like, that man probably was set up. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely, he was set up. He was set up. But but did he set himself up? You know what I'm saying? And that's where I think you set yourself apart. Authenticity is always going to win. 
It is, yeah. And uh, because if you're not comfortable in yourself, people can feel when you're not comfortable in yourself. Mm. It, it, it reads, it reads. And like trying to be somebody you're not, that's not going to help. And one thing is like, with, even with like sexuality, like that's like a major part of people. Like you can do whatever you want to do if you're comfortable in it. But as soon as people get that hint of like, if I can hit this nerve and say, oh, but you this, and uh, it makes you feel weak in some type of way, that's what they're always going to tap in. Because nine times out of ten, what he's doing, he's not the only one doing it. Half of America doing it. So, <laughs> I mean. Facts. <laughs> Facts. I, and, you know, for me, because I, I just found out about this. This happened in March, but I just, I just found out about it in May. You know, like Gillum was my was my pick. He was my guy, you know, yeah. and for and for them to uncover him as gay man, black man. But see, and, and but that's how they hit you, because it's like for us as black men, it's, that's like taboo or it's mm. like this is not something you do. So it's like when as soon as you hear that, it's like, oh, he's he's not here. He's not there. And it's like, we're not allowed to, we're not allowed, like white men are allowed to like explore sexuality or anything, even black women aren't really. So it's like, it creates like this stigma, which we have a lot of stigmas in our community where it's like, we we just shun people off or even we sweep it under the rug. And those things don't help. I mean, I can go on for days on that. I- You know, and I felt it to my core and I felt like they were trying to uh, make a a bigger case about this than it is. Uh, At the end of the day, it was a man, you know, protecting a secret. Yeah. About himself. Right. Which is nobody's business. Really? Unless he wanted to be somebody's Mm -hmm. business. But when you when you're in that political atmosphere, when you're in that limelight, it's it's important to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Because but, if not, everything's gonna come to light, and then you don't feel like explaining it. <laughs> I, and and that's what I want to bring it back around to you. You know, uh, it's always been authentic. It's always been something, at, at least in my mind, in the in the seven years that I've known you, or eight years that I've known of you, mm. it's always been authentic. It's always been from a real place. You know, and that wasn't something that automatically happened. You had to get to that point, too. Yeah. The the journey had to be there, right? So who's to say if the journey takes 22, 23 years, but in Gillum's case, maybe it takes 50 years. (laughs) Why, Why do we place so much importance on the time period and not just the journey? (sighs) (laughs) Go ahead. So for me, uh, like, I, I knew when I was young. Like, I always had, like, a feeling. I was like, eh, I think, I, yeah, I, I definitely like guys more. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it became a thing where um, I knew family, like, religion was big in my family. And okay. um, I remember, like, my dad, but not my not my actual father, but my stepfather, he used to call me all types of names. And that embedded in my head, like, you can't, you can't be like this. You can't like this. So it's like going from that. And then when you start going into like your teenagers and you hitting puberty and then all your homeboys start getting girlfriends and they don't, they doing, and they're like, wait, yo, you, you hitting anything. And it's like, nah, I ain't really. And it's like, you can't cover up so much. So then you do start doing things, but it's like, you're only doing it just because you feel like, it's just to shut people up. And then it's like you get to a point which took me to like 23 when I'm like, man, this ain't going to cut. Fuck that shit. <laughs> this Fuck ain't going to cut. And then it's like when you finally do do it, like you feel like a different, it's, you just feel different. You feel you feel like you're you. You start falling into your own style. You start falling into it. Like everything about you changed, in my opinion. Like my music taste changed, I changed, my style changed because then I could actually be me because I didn't have to worry about somebody being like, "Oh, he gay." Because how you gonna call me gay when I already know I'm gay? I mean, I don't care. <laughs> that it is amazing because just because it it flipped for you at that moment 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't flip with 50-year-old men. No, because now you know what I'm saying? Well, he's built a whole family. <laughs> it's deeper than that for him because it's like, and then it's like you gotta, he's on a bigger platform. I mean, I'm me. Mm-hmm. He's on a platform where these people like religion is one thing you can't you can't work your way out of or whatever. Like when people feel away with that, like they feel away, they're gonna ride to the end. And that's probably gonna be like his biggest problem. Like we I don't know what church he went to. He's probably being condemned in that. His wife probably going through it, the kids going through it. So that's a lot for one man to take right. in. Yeah. Right. That's deep. But but it doesn't matter. It's you doing you a lot younger. Yeah. Oh yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I don't give a damn. <laughs> but nobody should. They it's should. all it's all false. It's all handicapped. It is. You're right. You Joe, yeah. you got the gems, man. You got the gems. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all a handicap because I'll I'll tell you about a uh a dad my, my dad was born in nineteen forty nine. Oh, my dad was born in 1949, but you know, I he was uh, in that 40, 50 space in in the 90s when I'm growing up in high school, um, and that's 1990 for the people that listen. And I yeah, I was, went to high school in 95, 96, maybe that was my freshman year. Anyway, listen, I, I and I talked about this on another podcast. I'm not afraid to 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 go at it because I think that it will add to people's perspective. And that's what we're missing. We're missing perspective. You know, Mm -hmm. my dad grew up in 49. So when rap music hit, he was in his eh, late 30s, you know, about to be 40. Anyway, he didn't want a son that was going after a rap dream in the 90s because everybody was going after a rap dream in the 90s. So his immediate words to me was, there was no way you can make it in that space. And you know what? I took that. And you know what's so crazy, though? Like, we don't realize how much our parents put a handicap on us. Fuck. That's it? And I feel like that creates a resentment also because there's... So my ultimate... Damn, I'm going deep now. My ultimate dream was that... My goal was to go to Baltimore School of Arts. And I remember our audition so heavy. And mind you, when I was um, when I was about what year would I be? I would have been going to. I was probably like thirteen, fourteen, because I was just getting out of middle school. And I remember, like, for Baltimore School of Arts, you have to rehearse. I mean, you have to uh, get accepted. So you got to do a um, audition, and I kept like rehearsing, rehearsing, rehearsing. And at this time, I was also doing therapy because shit was going on in our family. And um, I remember my therapist came over and she was like, hey, if you need me to, I can take you to your your, um, audition. And I'm like, okay. So I tell my mom about it. Just my luck, it snowed. This was like, it was January 13th, I remember. January 13th, it was a couple days before my birthday. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. Ask my mom. She's like, boy, you don't need to go there. Never took me. Until this day, I regret it because I'm like, yo, like, what would my life have been if I just would have went? What do you mean by that? Like, what would your life... Like, how would I have grown as an artist? Like, would I even be here? Would I ever been working at the arts? Like, would I... Like, where would I... Where would have... Like, where would Baltimore School of Arts have taken me? Oh. I mean, that's valid. Yeah, it's something I think about every day, even at 30. I I think that we take on a lot of people's shit like that, not just parents, you know? Yeah. You take on the thoughts and opinions of a lot of people, and you wear it on your back. Like, you know, once you... Go ahead. It's just crazy, like, because I feel like a lot of things start from home, and then that's what brings on... It brings it to like, uh, like your outside life, like work life, and the mm-hmm. way you carry friendships, the way you carry relationships. It's like 
you can't. I feel like as parents, that those are the things you should try to protect your kids from, and just enjoy like whatever they want to do. Hell, fucking yeah! <laughs> I I can't I can't be more of a fan of this because it it just doesn't matter, you know. It, when I started thinking about uh, death, that's when things got real for me. Yeah, because, because very yeah, for anybody, right? Because people are fucking dying, and I have a life. I have an opportunity. It made me really fucking happy to have an opportunity and a life every day. You, know, my brother passed away at twenty three years old. If my life stops at twenty three. Uh, it's an underwhelming life. You know, what's that? Your blood brother? Yeah, yeah, my blood brother. Yeah, my my only brother, you know, my only sibling passed away uh, in 2008 when he was 23 years old. It, It makes me feel about life how I should. I don't give a fuck about your opinion because we only have so many amount of years. I don't know the years. I don't know when I'm going to die. So I have to, I have to move this shit. I have to move everything. I have to move my kids into the right position. I have to make sure my wife is good. Like I have to make sure life is good for them because I really don't know. And then I'm grateful because like I told, like I said before, I'm 39. I got to 39. My brother got to 23. Doesn't equal up. You know, we could talk about Marquise, Yo, that one was hard. It's it's rough. And who could say that was coming? I I I definitely just dapped him up the Friday before the Sunday he's killed. And it was wild to me that he that you told me that, but he we literally all seen him at the same time. At, the same day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's crazy because like when you think about a lot of people, um, for instance, even like somebody like Marquise, like to me he had that guy has so much potential, man. And I feel like when you go through life and people just don't know how to, they don't know how to deal with you or they just see you, they just try to like box you into like this a block and be like, oh, he's just this guy that's just known as like, he made, he made decisions that a lot of people his age make. I've seen a lot of people do the same things that didn't get probably the same ridicule he did. And it's like when you have these personal conversations with him and you're talking to him and then he actually went to you and telling you like the things that he wanted to do in life, where he wanted to go. And to right. see him like grow from, like I met Marquise when he was what, 19? And to see him go from that 19 year old to- 26? Yeah, yeah, 25, like, 26, right? Yeah, and to like a father and just like basically like become a man and like he had way a lot of potential, but no way like nobody got him into where he needed to be. And even but but like you mentioned, even if there are people guiding you, it's yeah, up to you. Point. Yeah, you're right. It's up to you, right? right? You're right. And and so, you know, I'm real big on championing everybody, but I'm not I don't I don't ever take it personal if they don't choose to do it. Because it's on them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's up to you. The fuck? People take stuff so personally, especially in our life. I feel like that's the thing with you that a lot of people don't, they don't really like get or understand or they just don't like. It's because I feel like you're, you're just, you're very optimistic. It's rare to catch you on a bad day. Right. It's like you just you go with the flow. You're like, yeah, could be worse or whatever. And it's like, you always tell people, what they what they need to hear and let them know like you can be doing way more than this but this is where you choose to be you fucking like, choose people don't, people don't understand it. it's like you do have some people that ain't gonna go no further though I ain't gonna lie so, <laughs> <laughs> if you can be that cat you can be that cashier hey that's it <laughs> I, and, and you know what find happiness in that shit Find you know, happiness in that shit. Somebody ask. gotta, somebody you gotta, gotta dig that trash. <laughs> you gotta find your happiness in that shit. I, you know, I, I'm, I am always, uh, in awe of people's ability to find unhappiness 
in something that they're choosing. Exactly, man. I'm, and the crazy thing is, I'm just starting to realize. I'm like, yo, like, mm-hmm. you choose every day to wake up and and come here. Mm. It's like people mm. choose every day to not go to work and go out and and ask people for money. <laughs> people that choose to go out and spend their last dime on a drug, like that's those are all choices. So it's like we in control of everything. We just don't realize it. We don't feel like it. I, I, you know, and, and it makes you, and that would make me unhappy. It would make me unhappy to wake up and feel like somebody else controls my shit. I control my shit. Makes me very happy, (laughs) you know, that I control my shit. And so when shit happens to me, you know, I'm not surprised by it because eh, that was kind of my decision. So yeah, I need to change it. Right. Um, but yeah, you, you know, your mindset to other people. And I think that uh, as, as I've uh, talked to you and as you've like, we've had conversations in work and out of work, but your eyes always get wide when you feel, when you see how other people think of you, you know, I think yeah. that's always been a shock to you. So if, if the one thing I can leave you with, and I know we're running up on that hour, uh, mm-hmm. Time period But if there's one thing I can leave with you Is that people actually Fucking either They either fear you you know. <laughs> I don't know why anybody fear me cause cause, not- cause, Because of the unknown They fear what they don't understand Hate what they can't conquer If they can't conquer you They're gonna hate you That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's just You know human nature um, But they fear you out of a sense of not knowing full about you. It's a mystery, you know, and they'll do what you say. If they'll do what you say, you have an in there and you have something that people don't uh, fully capitalize on. You want to be authentic. And I think that's the way to win every time because people want to know the real you. And the reason that they fear you is because they don't know you. And then if they know you, they won't fear you. That, that creates a different problem for you. Everything creates a problem. You got to decide. Joe, it's like a circle. Right. (laughs) You got to decide what's right for you. But, but in the end, I feel like, you know, if you can post an idea, a thought, you know, I think this artist is great and everybody resonates with you that needs to be capitalized on. Not in the sense of you only care about money and dollars and cents, but mm-hmm. in the sense that you care about uh, what's good in your heart. And I feel like you have a a big, huge, great heart. In, in, Thanks, in, 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 Thanks, you know, no, no. I mean, you know, <laughs> everybody can sense that. They, they need that. So they come to you and you get bug-eyed. Like you, you, your eyes get big. You're like, why are you coming to me? <laughs> and and maybe you like, why are you coming to me? Because of what your mom said or what, you know, what somebody told you sometime. Yeah. You know, you know some, some, in, some, something in your mind that keeps you from realizing how special you are. But I've always thought it and I continue to think it. And as we move into 2020, you know, if you realize that, I, I think you'll do great things and you you won't be uh attached to Baltimore anymore and we'll talk about Derek Rohn the Californian, which will be really real to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe, man. I appreciate it. Now I got some I got some big things I'm gonna try to do this summer. Not try, but I am gonna do this summer. And operations is is what you're about. You know, in work, you're all about operating. Yeah, if That's I had my same work ethic outside of work, I'd be yeah. Fucking golden. And that's all <laughs> I want you to say. Like, yeah. If you did what you did in work, outside of work, mm, who who can stop you? Nobody. Mm-mm, not a damn person. Um, <laughs> Derek Rohn, it is 10 o'clock. It has been great. Like, you know, the most natural conversation, which I thought it would be. I know. I didn't. Look, I was over, like, overthinking this whole conversation all day. I'm like, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? Well, it was good. It was good, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, bro. Well, I just had a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, how how much Espelon have you had? Yo, two glasses. Two glasses? Yeah, I'm about to get another one right after this. Mm, mm, I'm definitely halfway finished this wonderful, wonderful uh, Casamigos that yes. some, that some uh, great human got me. Oh, and tomorrow, tomorrow uh, Amazon says I'll have my camera. I wanted to have this one as my first camera. Yes, uh, because because you know I wanted you to photograph that beautiful beard and you know this is the only man that my wife is allowed to cheat with like oh. you know, Derek Roan. <laughs> there's no there's nothing I could do to stop that. She would she would be after that, and and you know that comes with its own uh, shit, and we can oh, unpack no. that in a different podcast. But I was serious. Like, there's no way in 2013 you would tell me that he wouldn't be after my wife. Like, he would be <laughs> after everybody's wives. None of our wives are safe with Derek Rohn's side profile. Like, you know, that that bearded gentleman. Um, yeah, man, that, that comes from a real place. Uh, my love and gratitude for you comes from a real place. And uh, I just, I was excited when you said you would you would take part in in my podcast, I'm of course, man. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. But I'm definitely when I start dropping some stuff in 2020, I hope we can do it again. That way, um, we can give insight into my projects that I'm dropping. They're gonna be good. They're gonna be dope. Of course, they are. It's gonna be you. It's gonna be sick. All right, bro. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you, man. Likewise, brother. Talk to you later. Okay. All right.